You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. There's, there's nobody in terms of character, faith, courage, etc. in the scriptures that you can't be like in terms of character, faith, courage, etc. It's up to us. It's the decisions we make on a daily basis. You can be just as great as David. I can be just as great as David in my calling. And what God's called me to, I can be just as great. And so can you. There are no natural born leaders. Leaders are made in the crucible of life. And that's the daily decision you make. Don't think that the great characters of the Bible became great with no effort. They lived lives full of hard decisions and choices that molded them into the people you know them as. Today, Pastor Danny teaches you that you can be great too. He reminds you that the Bible lays out for you the ways of how to be a great servant of God. Practice and abide by those rules and you'll begin to model yourself into a person of great stuff. You'll become the hero and inspiration for others' lives. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he begins his message, Some Needed Encouragement. Second Timothy chapter one. This, as far as we know, is Paul the Apostle's last recorded words to his young protege, his number one ministry assistant, whose name is Timothy. And here's what he says. Chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy. My dear son, it's not his biological son, it's his son in the faith. Paul led Timothy to the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. And there was a real reason Paul was praying for Timothy constantly at this point because you look at verse 4, recalling your tears. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. What he's saying at this point is, I know you're really a Christian. You're not putting on a show. You're the real deal. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We're never told in the New Testament specifically what gift God gave Timothy through the laying on of Paul's hands. 
But we know that Timothy had tremendous responsibility and greater responsibility as time went on as Paul's number one assistant in missionary ministry. And so one of the gifts could have, a, have to do with speaking, whatever it was. At this point in his life, he's not only not exercising his gift, he's not moving forward in ministry. No, he's moving backwards. I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Anytime you're going backwards, it's not God leading you there, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So don't be ashamed about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Paul was literally a prisoner for the gospel. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel the focus in these few verses, Timothy is discouraged. Timothy, <laughs> he's had a rough time. If you leave the text just for a minute, now we're going to read a few more verses later in 2 Timothy 1, but if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, you get a clue as to why Timothy's going backward and not forward. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, one of the places Paul planted a church, so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Timothy is given a task, one of several as Paul's number one assistant, where he has to go and as a young man confront men no doubt older than him at times, and he does so. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he's getting in trouble. Some of the trouble is not only from unbelievers, some of the trouble is from the church. He writes in Philippians chapter 1, and he says, some were so envious and jealous of his ministry that when he got arrested by Rome, they did what they could to try to add to his suffering. You say, that's what happens in the church? You better believe it. And so some in the church didn't like Paul. And if they didn't like Paul, you better know when his number one assistant shows up, here's the bottom line. Timothy had some tough times. So much so that he's weeping. He's crying. And he's, he's quitting. He's going backwards. Paul says, recalling your tears, I long to see you. And then here's what he does in these first few verses. It's Paul's exhortation to his son in the faith. He led Timothy to the Lord. And now Timothy's going the wrong direction. And so Paul exhorts him. Here's Timothy's problem. <laughs> I defined it for us. It means to deprive of courage or confidence or energy. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, Christian, uh, when did it happen to you? I didn't say if it happens to you. I said, when did it happen to you? If it hasn't happened to you, you probably just got saved yesterday. 
You're going to come to the place. And here's what I circled in my notes to inhibit, to inhibit. That's what's happened to Timothy. Now he's not moving forward. No, he's moving backwards. By the way, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. He's discouraged. And what he needs is encouragement. And it's the absolute opposite. He needs to have courage now and confidence and hope again. And Paul's trying to stimulate him to action. We don't, we don't have the details of when it was that Paul led Timothy to the Lord. But his grandmother's a Christian. His mother's a Christian. But he was not a Christian. And somehow the apostle Paul, in his ministry, leads Timothy to the Lord. You know how delighted his mom and grandmother must have been. And not only does he really get on board in his commitment to Christ, but Paul invites him to join the missionary team. What a privilege. I think it's very likely that Timothy so looked up to Paul, his spiritual father, and he wanted to be like him. And when, when he's asked to join the team, Timothy's like, man, what an opportunity. But I think he had no idea, practically speaking, what it would mean. I think he wanted to be like Paul. I've said it before. I'll remind you again. When I read the stories in the Bible, I read of the great men and women of God. And I'm a guy, so I like the guy stories. I read the lady stories too. But, man, when I read about David, I don't ever read the story of David or hear a Bible teaching on the story of David. And people that have never read the Bible know the story of David and Goliath. And here the Israeli army is supposed to be fighting the Philistines and David's got two older brothers in the army. So dad sends young David uh, from shepherding the flock at home to take some vittles, if you will, some provision uh, to his brothers and to find out how the battle's going and come back and give dad a report. Well, David shows up and nobody's fighting the Philistines, including King Saul. And so David inquires what's going on. And they got one big galoot named Goliath, this big nine-some-foot-tall Philistine. He's coming out every day, every day. He's defying the armies of Israel. He's cursing their God. He's mocking them, and he's challenging them. You send out your best warrior, face me, and then we can just end this thing because whoever wins that one-on-one -on -one battle has won, and nobody else has to get on the battlefield. But nobody will go out and fight this guy. And here little David shows up. Pastor Ken Graves, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Bangor, Maine, years ago ruined it for me on the story of David and Goliath because he taught in a conference on David and Goliath, and he said he imagined David showing up there with the food for his brothers and to get a report on how the battle's going, and he shows up in a Domino's pizza outfit. And he's carrying a load of pizza for the brothers. And now every time I think of the story, I see David showing up in a Domino's pizza outfit. You know? Well, if you know the story, what a great story. Here's King Saul. Bible tells us he's GQ kind of guy. He's a head and shoulders taller than anybody else. And when they presented him as the second or first king of Israel, everybody said, yeah, he's the guy, man. But he, he wasn't the guy. He was appointed, but he wasn't anointed. And though he's impressive outwardly, he's a coward inside. He has no faith. And young David, here he is, little, little David. He said, what's going on? Well, I want to go, somebody go fight this guy. And he goes to the king there on the battlefield. 
He says, I'll go fight him. Well, Saul tries to dress David up in, in his armor, his own armor, and David's clanking around. He goes, I can't do that. I got to go with what I'm used to. He said, when your servant was out watching his father's sheep, and a lion would come, I faced the lion, and God gave me victory. And the bear would come, and I would face the bear, and God would give me victory. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like the lion, just like the bear. And I can see, you know the story. Isn't it a great story? And here's young David. He takes off Saul's armor, and he goes, and he gets his little shepherd's sling, and he chooses some stones from the brook, and he goes out, and he faces Goliath. And Goliath is saying, what are you? Are you, you flee? You're a flea. You're coming out to space me. And David says, today we'll hand you, you over to. And David's talking to him like this brave warrior. And he's just a little kid. And it doesn't take the five shots. He got five stones, but he takes first shot, boom, right in between the eyes. And Goliath falls. And then David takes Goliath's own sword, chops his head off, takes it back into Jerusalem, becomes an overnight national hero. And now the armies of Israel encouraged, encouraged because of David. And they go chasing after the Philistines who are now running away. Now, do you ever read the story of David? Do you ever hear the story of David and go, I'm going to be King Saul today? No, 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 no. You, no, no. you say, I'm going to be one of the brothers of David today. No, 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 no. I'm going to be David. Davids are hard to find. Saul's, they're a dime a dozen. And they're impressive outwardly. But when it comes down, when it comes down to really facing the lion, that takes faith. And it, don't, it doesn't just take faith, it takes courage. When it comes down to really facing the bear, doesn't matter how tall you are, doesn't matter how good looking you are, doesn't matter how impressive you are, anybody. You trust God. And will you put your life on the line? And sometimes it's not the physical battle. Sometimes it's the verbal assaults. The verbal assaults that, that hurt. And Timothy, Timothy, listen, here's the point. Look, when I read about David, I'm David. When I read about Peter, I'm Peter. But I'm Peter not in his denying the Lord. I'm Peter stepping out of the boat and walking on water. I want to be like these men. I want to be like these heroes. But to be like these heroes means that if you're going to be Gideon, you better be ready with 300 men to go against an innumerable army. And here's your weapons. You have clay pots, you have torches, and you have trumpets. And I wonder if anybody went, anybody got a sword? Nobody's got a sword. And you're to yell, you're to yell with your torches and your clay pots and your trumpets. You blow the trumpet, you shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And then you're going, I don't have a sword. You got a sword by faith. And here's what the instruction was for Gideon. Break your clay pot, let your light shine after you make some noise and watch what God will do. It takes faith and it takes courage. And some of the courage is just to be willing to go out there and do what God said. And everybody else is going, what, are you, what in the world are you doing? What in the world are you doing? You got torches and a clay pot. You're breaking it. You're blowing a trumpet. A sword for the Lord and forgetting. And it looks like David when he's facing Goliath. Looks foolish to the world. Looks foolish to the king, King Saul. But to God, he looks down and he says, ah, yeah, yeah. But I put in my notes the path of following Jesus Christ. Listen. It's paved with tough times. It's paved with tears. 
And you not only have to have faith, you not only have to have courage, you have to have perseverance. Because I'm going to tell you what, if you're worth your salt, the enemy's coming after you. Timothy, I think he started out and he said, man, he was so glad to be saved. He was committed. He becomes part of the team with the apostle Paul. He wanted to be like Paul. But he got to a point. He was discouraged. And every Christian gets there. And it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. But things in life get thrown at you, and ultimately it's the enemy. Ultimately it's the enemy. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You think it's your wife. Ultimately, it's not your wife. You think it's your husband. Ultimately, it's not your husband. Oh, I know. But the circumstances of life, and the enemy wants to take us out. The enemy wants to ruin our faith and ruin our courage and ruin our, our hope and inhibit us. And instead of moving forward, we move backwards. And that's where Timothy was. He needed encouragement. I just love the Lord. I mean, I... I don't have the gift of encouragement. Romans chapter 12, verse 8 tells us there's an actual gift that God gives some Christians. If you ever find a Christian with the gift of encouragement, see if you can move in next to them. I don't know if you noticed in reading the New Testament how many times in the New Testament encouragement, encouragement is all over it, all over it. Let, let, me, just, let me just quickly, before we move on to the next point, the first point is the longest point in case your stomach starts to growl, all right? Uh, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, verse 32. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage, encourage and strengthen the brothers. Why? Because we need it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 21. Tychicus by Dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Paul writing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may what? Encourage you. Encourage you. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. I had a whole half page of type verses. These are only a sampling. There's a lot of them. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for this express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you. In your faith. You have it in 2 Thessalonians. You have it in Hebrews. You have it all over the pages of the Scriptures, not just New Testament, but Old Testament. Why is there so much of it? Because we need it. It's easy to get discouraged. So we need to be encouraged. That's the first point. There are three. Actually, there are four. Don't worry. That was the longest one. Look at verse 11 in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I am suffering as I am. Paul first focuses on Timothy's suffering. And now he says to Timothy, I'm suffering too. Yet I'm not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. 
What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. What he's saying is, God's plan for you is still in effect. Don't miss it. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And then notice what he says, verse 15. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes, obviously two important figures in the lives of Paul and Timothy and in their ministry. So here, Paul basically says to Timothy, hey, I'm suffering too. When you're suffering, when you're discouraged, here's what I've found. You feel alone. You may not be alone, but you feel alone. Interesting thoughts that God gave me in regard to this second set of scriptures and verses where Paul now basically says, hey, I'm suffering too. And when you think of Paul's example, I thought of Paul's example in contrast to Timothy because they're very different. They're very different personalities. You study the New Testament, you see they're very different. Here's some of the challenges that Timothy faced. Number one, first, he was Paul's number one assistant. I've already mentioned that. Uh, that's hard in itself because everywhere Paul went, uh, if you're going to follow Paul, you're going to be part of his team, uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna suffer. Just being part of that team. Timothy uh, had lots of physical problems. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul encourages Timothy, don't just drink water, which is interesting. He's a missionary. He's going all these different countries. He's traveling all the time. And if you go to most countries, especially third world countries, what's the first thing to tell you? Don't drink the water. And Paul tells Timothy, stop drinking just water. Use a little wine. That's safer because of your oft infirmities and your, your stomach problems. Timothy was a sickly kind of guy, which is interesting, isn't it? You'd think if you're going to be called to missionary ministry and have to go to all these different countries, especially places where you might get sick, you think God give you some special physical physique, you know, to be able to uh, withstand that and not get sick. Not so with Timothy. He was sick a lot. And don't forget, he's a young guy. He's much younger than the Apostle Paul. Finally, he was not a natural-born leader. Now, I put that in quotations. I want to correct myself from something I said last night. Well, you don't know what I said last night, but I'm going to correct it anyway. I intimated that some people are natural-born leaders, and I went home and I thought about it, and I said, you know, that's not true. Everybody's born the same way. Everybody's human. Everybody's just 100% human as anybody else. Everybody feels the same emotions. You go through the same issues. We're all faced with the same temptation. We're all, it's a level playing field. But some people appear to be natural-born leaders. That was the Apostle Paul. I think when Timothy looked up to Paul, he thought, I'll never be like him, but I want to be like him. Truth is, there's nobody in terms of character, faith, courage, etc., in the Scriptures that you can't be like in terms of character, faith, courage, etc. It's up to us. It's the decisions we make on a daily basis. You can be just as great as David. I can be just as great as David in my calling, in what God's called me to. I can be just as great. And so can you. There are no natural-born leaders. Leaders are made in the crucible of life. And that's the daily decision you make. Timothy now. Unless he makes the right decision, 
He's never going to become like his mentor. He's never going to become like his leader. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this series called New Testament Highlights, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, the truth of God's Word shines brightly into a dark world. The New Testament highlights that Jesus' life and ministry was a shining light into the Roman-oppressed nation of Israel. In addition, the bright testimony of the apostles amidst opposition proved that there are always opportunities to be light in a dark world. Are you sinking into despair about the heaviness that surrounds you with the events and circumstances that seem to get worse? You might wonder if there's any end in sight. Well, keep your chin up and keep your eyes fixed on the promises of God. He'll never leave you, and that can be a shining beacon of hope. We trust that this teaching has given you a renewed sense of what to live for and what's to come, as you're reminded of other people who are great examples of living out their faith. If you'd like to hear this message again, you'll find it at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to stay up to date on the latest things happening and know when new videos are uploaded. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to The Living Word.